morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Church in the Valley. Let me slide on over here. Um, if this is your first time at Church in the Valley, I have like an update every week, which is called, wow, this is a walking boot right there. Uh, Alex's Achilles update. And here's my, my update. I'm, I'm out of a cast and I'm in a walking boot, which has an adjective called walking. Is that an adjective or is that a verb? Both. I heard both. This is my problem, doing English at the beginning. Um, but I, I have a walking boot, but I'm not yet walking. So I have a boot that is just tempting me to do something I can't yet do. Uh, I have about two more weeks, well, a week and a half, to be exact, uh, before I can start putting weight uh, on my leg. A few months ago, I ruptured my Achilles tendon, and then a couple months ago, I re-ruptured it. And so I had surgery, and I've been kind of mending for the last seven weeks. And um, it's been just one of those processes that it's a lot slower than I, I'd hope. Uh, but in the midst of just an inconvenience, uh, God is, is still good. And so I appreciate all the prayers. And uh, about next, a week from this Tuesday, I should be able to kind of transition to putting weight back on my leg and beginning to walk again. And so I appreciate just all the encouragement. And rehab will start. And Lord willing, in a couple months, um, I'll be back to, to normal. And so I appreciate that and just wanted to give you an update. Uh, we're wrapping up a series today uh, that you'll see up there on the screen, and it matches your program on the, the person of Paul uh, from the New Testament of Scripture. But before I do that, I wanted just to draw your attention to uh, something that we do every year, uh, this time of year at Christmas, and it's our Christmas offering. As you've noticed, as, as Barry was sharing this morning, uh, there's just a lot of things that, that we do at Christmas, and it really does represent a season in which uh, there's lots of opportunities. And the reason that is, is because God actually sent his son, Jesus, to the world. And that really did change everything. And so because of that, we use this time of year as an opportunity to extend ourselves, uh, to give, and to look to, to the interests of, of other people. And at the same time, as a church, really try to remember uh, what this season is all about. And so next week, uh, we're going to be starting a new series called Immeasurably More, which Barry mentioned. And we're going to be talking about the generosity of God, the fact that because God has been so generous to us, uh, not only as creator, but by sending Jesus Christ, uh, we have the opportunity to, to actually experience life in a new way. And part of what we're wanting to do as we focus on the generosity of God is to be generous ourselves. And each year we have a Christmas offering. And I just wanted to talk to you about that and just give you opportunity where you can extend yourself to give to some things. Now, this Christmas offering is really what we do as a church at both of our campuses uh, to meet some specific needs, uh, not only in our community, not only locally, but also in, internationally. And so we really try to partner with some different groups. So I just wanted to walk uh, through that. There's a giving envelope in your program where you can always give your tithes and offerings to Church in the Valley. And that's also the way that you can give to the Christmas offering, and you can mark that on there. Uh, there's also a, uh, next week we'll be having a Christmas offering flyer, but I just wanted to walk you through uh, what we're going to be giving to uh, this year. And so uh, we're going to be giving to, uh, the major portion is going to be at a building and expansion fund, which I'm going to explain in a moment. But we're also going to be giving to some local and some global uh, ministries. Uh, specifically, we're going to give some money this year to uh, some missionaries in Central Asia that are a part of our congregation and you'll see that uh, on, the, on the screen. Uh, we're going to also be giving to the Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering, which is 
through our convention of churches that supports missionaries uh, throughout the world. And so we really want to give and help people who are sharing the gospel in countries, uh, in remote parts of, of the entire world. Uh, we're also going to be giving to the 17.6 network, which is a network of churches that we're a part of uh, that began in Hope Church, where our senior pastor, Randy Lanthrop, was trained and some other of our elders of the church are, are from there and got their training there. And that's really a place where uh, we're working together as a network to start new churches uh, throughout the country. And so we're going to be giving to that as well. Uh, we're also going to be supporting the Christian Challenge Campus Ministry, uh, which is going to be focused uh, at USC, the University of Southern California, and at Cal Poly uh, Pomona. And these ministries are really designed to help college students uh, begin a relationship with Christ and to grow in him. And this is a great way to reach people on campuses who really are going to be kind of sent throughout the world as they go to different jobs and different churches. And so that, that's a, a key way we want to help as well. There's also going to be a portion of this Christmas offering, which will be to local community needs uh, as they come up. Uh, there's people in our community that are, just have needs that we don't even know about yet. And so we're going to have kind of a portion that can be given to them uh, as those opportunities arise. And so, like I explained, part of that is going to be the building and expansion fund, uh, which is specific to the Diamond Bar campus. The reason I bring that up is we're a a church with two locations. And here in Alhambra, we meet every week. We have church. We do our events out here. We have groups out here. There's also a church in Diamond Bar, uh, which was started in 1987 by Randy Lanthrop. And throughout the years, throughout the whole 28, 29 years that we've been in existence, uh, we've been a portable church. Uh, Just like you see here, uh, this is a cafeteria Monday through Friday at a high school. And on Sundays, it's church in the valley. And in Diamond Bar, we meet at a community center, which is a community center every day. But on Sundays, it's where Church in the Valley does church. And so as a portable church, uh, there's lots of opportunities that come with that in terms of flexibility, uh, in terms of making sure that that we're not necessarily locked into a huge mortgage because Southern California is, as you know, it's expensive. But at the same time, what's happening in Diamond Bar is they've actually run out of space. And there's three barriers to church growth. Either you don't have enough space in the worship center, you don't have enough parking space, or you don't have enough space in the kids' area. Because as a parent, if you drop your kid off and you see that there's just kids that are just stuck against the wall because there's no room, you usually don't want to drop them off the next week. And so in Diamond Bar, they are actually out of kids' space, and they're renting every room at the Diamond Bar Center where they meet. So a big part of this is just putting into this fund, a building and expansion fund, so that we're ready as a church, if there's an opportunity that comes to move into a better space, a bigger space that can really fit the needs, that we want to be able to do that. And you may ask, but that, that's Diamond Bar and we're Alhambra. Well, part of us being a two-campus church is that we actually, we partner together and we really are, are one in terms of the same mission. We're just in two locations trying to reach different people. And in fact, the Diamond Bar campus was a big part in helping us launch here as well, just through financial giving and also just manpower as they helped us get started. And so this is something that we can do as a team, as two campuses, to really, Lord willing, expand uh, the kingdom. And so we're going to have this Christmas offering through the end of January. And I just want to encourage you to think through some ways that you might be able to sacrifice uh, to give to that. Obviously, the churches still need to function with our usual giving. And so we ask that people give to this above and beyond uh, your usual giving. And so We want to just present that, give you an opportunity to to just pray through that 
And like I mentioned, through the end of January, uh, you can give to that. Now you're thinking, do I have to give in an envelope and write a check? Because who writes checks? No, you don't. You can give online. And so if you go to churchinthevalley.com, you can clip on a, uh, click on the campus, and you can click on giving, and you can give like that as well. The reason I say that is I write one check a month, and I realize just how much time has changed. I used to write checks all the time. Anyways, sidebar. So we just want to make, let you know that we are in the 21st century, and you can give online at Church in the Valley. So I just wanted to, to give you a heads up about that. And I want to now just kind of focus on uh, wrapping up the series that we started a few weeks ago um, on the, the life of Paul. But before I do that, I would just like to, to pray uh, for today. Specifically, I just wanted to pray for, as many of you heard, uh, just the, the tragedy that happened in, in Paris uh, just a few days ago. And I just want to pray for, for those people and, and also just pray as we wrap up this series. Pray with me. God, we do thank you for your goodness and the help that you give us. And we are here to learn more about you and to honor you. And we really need your help just to focus and for you to just soften our hearts to, to, to help us just to learn what we need to learn. And God, we do lift up uh, the people of Paris today. We ask uh, for comfort for the families that, that lost people. Uh, for just the, the fear that people are facing and the unknown as people try to rebuild on just the tragedy that's happened. And so we pray for a peace to overwhelm the people in the midst of trouble. Uh, we ask your hand of comfort upon the country. We pray for wisdom for the leaders as they try to figure out how to move forward. And we thank you, God, that in the midst of things that are devastating, uh, even when we, we don't even know what to do, uh, we can look to you, and you really do help us. And so we ask that your strength will be experienced in a real way. In the name of Lord Jesus, amen. Well, like I mentioned, uh, we've been spending the last few weeks on uh, the person of Paul in the New Testament. And Paul is a central figure in the scriptures. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and really was a catalyst in the spread of Christianity. So in this series, we've been asking a question, how and why did Paul have so much influence? How did he become somebody who actually changed the world and helped change the world in the way that he did? And our goal isn't just kind of a history lesson, but our goal is how can we learn lessons from Paul that actually can help us uh, today? And so we started the series talking about how God got Paul's attention and it actually changed his life. And we talked about the importance of God getting our attention. It's really easy to make plans. It's really easy to have a path that we just walk on sometimes without thinking. But how do we actually ask the question, what, what does God want from me? Does he have a plan for my own life? And we looked at what that looked like for Paul. Uh, the second week of the series, we talked about the fact that since Paul was changed and his life radically took a U-turn, why was it so important for him to share with others the difference that Jesus had made in his life? And so we talked about the importance of sharing the message of the fact that Jesus actually can make a difference here and now in everybody's life. And then last week we talked about uh, the importance of prayer and how Paul used prayer as a main guide to really kind of navigate through life. And not only in hard things, but in everyday life, he used prayer. It was this communication with God. It was this real relationship with God that actually helped guide him. It wasn't just understanding that God was off in the distance, but he had a real relationship that actually impacted his attitude and impacted 
his decisions. And so today, we're going to kind of wrap up by pulling all those together and talking about the fact of how, how did Paul's life really become as influential as it did. And so I, I just want you to think for me uh, this morning about people in your life who have had a tremendous impact upon you. Who is it that has impacted you in your life? Like in a real way where you think to yourself, if not for this person, my life would look radically different. I just want you to take like 10 seconds to try to think of that person. My guess is, as a person came to mind, if you might still be thinking of somebody, you're probably not thinking that person was influential on me because they always dressed nice, right? Or they always smiled. And that could be influential, but there's usually something that's a little bit more of a connection with somebody that has a real influence on you. And in life, I think, and in my own life, as I looked, I, I was thinking of the people who have had tremendous influence on me. There's a link between influence and adversity. And as people face adversity and people face hard times, as people face pressure, there's something that happens with influential people where you see how they handle it. And as you see people handle hard things and handle pressure and handle trouble, trouble you actually gauge how much influence they can have on somebody. And it's really true. It's true for us. People that we've really learned from is usually we've seen them encounter something uh, difficult. And I was just thinking about that in my, in my own story. My, my mom uh, got remarried when I was about four uh, years old. And she remarried my stepdad, uh, who had also been married before. And so both my parents had been divorced. And they came together in this new marriage. And they had me and my two sisters. And they were trying to figure out how to form this new family together. And divorce is terrible, and divorce is something that destroys many families uh, throughout the world. And as I was looking back at my parents' influence, I realized that part of the influence they had on me was not their perfection and the fact that they had it all together. What I realized was part of them picking up the pieces and starting a new life together and them choosing to actually follow God and really trust Him in the midst of change and devastation of this of divorce and, and all the remarriage, all the issues that come with that, I realized that it was really tied to their, their response. And even at a young age, I remember looking and asking the question, like, you know, is God going to be real to, this, to our family? And again and again, I saw how my parents made choices that, that reflected that. And that, that had a, a deep impact on me. And then I was thinking as I was a little bit older and I was in youth group and I grew up going to church, but my faith wasn't really my own until about high school. And I had a youth pastor, and he was just working at the church part-time, and he was a sports editor at the local newspaper, and he worked almost every day of the week as an editor. It was a very busy job, and he was tired, and he just had this job that he just demanded so much, demanded so much, and then he had this, this youth group, and he had all these young people that he was trying to help. And I remember he would take his Saturday mornings, and he would lead me and a few guys through the scriptures, and he would just take the time on his one day off to explain the difference that, that God made. And I always remember looking at him and seeing just these bags under his eyes. And the fact that he woke up early on a Saturday to spend time with us, he had tremendous influence on my life. And again, that was connected not because of necessarily what he looked like or the things he said, but it was, it was what he did. It was the choices that he made in the midst of trouble. 
And what I want to do today is I want to take a look at Paul and look at the things that he faced and how that made him into the man that that God really used. And I want to start with just kind of connecting this idea of adversity and influence. And what you find again and again in a relationship with God is that to grow your influence with others, to actually become somebody who can impact somebody else, God will lead us into deeper waters. That's what God continually does. I don't know if you've ever been swimming in the ocean or in a pool where you cannot touch, but there's a sense in which when it's deep, you realize like things are a little bit out of your control, especially in the ocean as waves are coming and you can't touch anymore. And you get that point in which you're trying to figure out how do I, how do I deal with this situation? You have to choose to swim and you have to get back to the shallower part so you can put your feet down. Well, there's a part in life where we keep getting this point where we go deeper and deeper and deeper, and God allows us to get to the deep waters where we realize that we actually no longer have control. We just don't have control. We cannot touch down. And so I want to walk through, why, why does God lead us this way? Why would he take us to things that are hard? And just in the wake of just what's happened in, in the world right now, why, why, does, why does things happen like this? And why does things happen in our own life? And things that are trouble and pressure and, and pain. And God actually, in the midst of that, he, he can use it. So I want to talk about that and use the life of Paul to show kind of how God used this in his life. And so the question is, if this is true, if God continues to lead us to the point where we're beyond ourselves, why does he do that? Why isn't life just super simple and easy? You ever ask that? Like, where's the easy button? Where you face a problem, you just press it and everything's just solved. That's not the case. I haven't found that button. Well, there's actually some reasons behind that. Uh, Some of it is we're in a fallen world and there's sin. And so everything is complicated because of sin. It actually did mess everything up. But some of it's also this thing that God does in the midst of it to help us. And so I want to walk through that. Uh, The first thing is this idea of getting to deeper waters, getting into situations which are beyond us. God actually used to realize, like when we get beyond ourselves, we realize that we need help. That's what God does. We get beyond ourselves and we realize that we need help. So back to the analogy of the deeper waters. As an adult, you think of deep waters and you're like, yeah, I'll just swim to the shallow end and step. It's pretty easy. But I don't know if you remember when you first started to learn how to swim. Do you remember that? I know for myself, it was, it was a little kind of freak, freak out moment. You know, you're not sure exactly how it's going to work. You're you don't want to drown, you know drowning is not good, and you're just trying to swim, and you're like, I don't exactly know how, and they say don't doggy paddle, but all you can think is just this, right? And you're, you're desperate, and you're just, and the adults around you are like, you're doing it, and you're like, I'm not doing it. Oh, really? I'm not doing it. You know, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. But there's a sense in which when you get beyond yourself in life, you actually realize that, that you, need, you need help. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where your past experiences don't help you. Your knowledge doesn't help you. Your own strength doesn't help you. I don't know if you've ever faced something like that where you realize that all you have at your disposal within yourself doesn't help you. That is a very, very vulnerable place to be. I've been in some of those places myself where it's just it's out of your control. So why would God do that? Why would he allow that to happen? 
And I want to use just the description of Paul as he described uh, his own life uh, found in the book of 2 Corinthians. You'll see it up here on the screen. It says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. So he's just describing his life. Uh, He was beaten. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So if you're wanting to go see a movie and you want to go see like an uplifting romantic comedy, you don't go see Paul's life. Okay, this is the type, this is like Castaway, but worse. Okay, there's no Wilson. All right. But this is just this description. He's describing his life. And what you realize all the time as Paul's describing the things that happened to him, he's describing it to give perspective. He was never writing just to explain like, yeah, my life's terrible. You should follow Christ too. That's not that effective, right? So he didn't just write to gripe about and complain about the things that he faced. He, he did it to give a picture of what he experienced. And I actually want to go back to a verse that we looked at last week that puts this all into the perspective. And this is where the perspective is. 2 Corinthians 1, 9. It says, indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So that's Paul's perspective. He's saying, I faced all these things. I faced things that no one would ever want to face. In fact, he would describe it as the sentence of death. There's this feeling of there's there's nothing good that's coming from this. But he puts this umbrella under which it all falls. All these things were allowed to happen to teach me to rely on God and not myself. That's a big part of a relationship with God. You get to the point where you're continually having to choose who are you relying on for your strength? Who are you going to rely on to get through the things that you face? And Paul's saying that I just got to these points Again and again and again and again. And I felt the sentence of death. But all this to happen so that I could choose to rely on God and not myself. And so that's a big part of what God does. He allows us to get to these deeper waters so we actually get to the end of ourselves. I don't know about you, but I tend to try to be competent in my life. I try to take care of the things I can take care of. And a lot of times I just try to have it all together. I try to keep everything in order. And then some trouble happens and then I'm just, okay, how do I keep that in order with everything else? And then more trouble happens and you get, you get to the point where you realize like I'm, I'm at the end of myself. And it's at that point, that important crucial point in life where you're at the end of yourself that you have to choose, okay, will you trust God at the end of yourself? You don't have any more energy or any more experience or any more strength that can help you. What do you do? Who do you turn to? So God continually allows things to happen so we can get to the end of ourselves, see how far we can get, and then see the gap 
from where we need to be. And that's where God works. So that's what God did in Paul's life, and that's, that's actually what he wants to do in us as well. Another reason he takes us to deeper waters, and this part's, this part's hard, it's God's power is clearly displayed in our weaknesses. So back to that point. When you get to the end of yourself, you actually have to admit that you're done. Like, I'm done. I don't have anything more to help me. I'm outside of myself here. And there's a point in which we all get to that. And God leads us there. And that's to show us that we can rely on God's power. And so the main way he lets us know we need his power is to show us that we're weak. Now, do they, do they sell those as like cards in the store? No. Like, God bless you today. He's strong and you're not. Happy birthday. I don't know, dude. I kind of, I'd buy that. Maybe not give it, but, right? It's not like, it's not like a positive message. Because we, the, the idea of adversity, it appeals to all of us, right? Adversity is a common, like, people face adversity and they overcome it. They make movies of that. And we, we spend money to watch it. It's, it's kind of, overcoming adversity is like key to us. It's key to the core. of We, we just kind of give our attention to that. But the difference is when you follow Christ, you face adversity not to show how good you are, but to actually show how strong God is. So it's very different. So the attention when we face trouble as a Christ follower should be, look at God who has helped me, not look at myself as I have overcome things. It's very different. So that's what Paul's doing. He's continually describing his life and the trouble. In 2 Corinthians 12, we get another picture of a trouble that, that he's faced. And this is kind of in the form of like a spiritual attack. But it kind of has shown itself in like a physical ailment that he described as a thorn in his flesh. And no one knows exactly what that is, but it's the idea that he had this struggle in life that, that he had until he died. God did not take it from him. And he describes it like this. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. This, this trouble, this pain that he had. But he said to me, and this is God speaking, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is a very interesting perspective. He's saying that the real way to see strength, God's strength, is to realize how weak we actually are. This goes against everything in us. I know when I face things uh, that are hard and beyond me, one of my common reactions is, how can I power up and just push through? I think that's ingrained in us. How can I just independently take care of what I need to take care of and so I'm not in this problem anymore? The idea of to be more strong, you have to be more strong. And Paul's saying it's actually the opposite. It's, it's upside down. To be more strong, you actually have to admit how weak you are. And at the moment you realize your weakness and that you actually can't take care of every problem that you face without God, 
then you actually have the power to take care of it. So it's very, it's very counterintuitive, but this is how God works. And so that's why Paul describes all these things that happened to him. He's giving this journal, he's giving this perspective that I'm just going to show you all the ways my life has kind of fallen apart. And the reason I'm sharing that with you is to show in the midst of it all falling apart, God still works. And that's what Paul's life is about. Despite all the things he faced, God still worked. And God still made him a person of tremendous influence. I want to turn the corner because if you're like me, there's a sense in which sometimes you read the scriptures and you read these accounts and they can seem they're just a distant world with a person that we do not know that doesn't face the world in which we face. But there's a part of of what Paul learned that we actually can really take with us today and and it actually can make a difference in our life. That idea for for when I'm weak, then I am strong. There's a paraphrase of the scriptures in the message and it says, so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. That's that's very profound. But what does that actually mean uh, for us today? And so I I just want to kind of tie in how when we face things that are beyond us, uh, whether that's pain, trouble, uh, whether that's plans that we had that, that have not gone as we thought, uh, whether that's relationships that were once good and now they're broken and we're trying to figure out how to pick up the pieces, uh, whether work was going well and maybe you got laid off or maybe just work is just a grind and it's no longer just this thing that you're really uh, just excited about. There's all sorts of things that this... This pressure in this deeper water comes. But there's two key uh, elements that flow out of one action. And whenever we face adversity, the key is we have to trust God. And trusting God is the key to lasting influence. So whenever you face uh, a pressure or trouble or pain... The response that that Paul has modeled and the response that you see in the scriptures is this point to always turn and to trust God. So the question is, how how do you know if you've trusted God with what you face? And I think there's two key questions that we have to ask. And this shows it a lot, what we trust in. How we react and then our attitude. How do we react in our attitude? So the two key questions... How does God want me to react with this situation that I'm facing? And then how does my attitude reflect that God is in control? Because in our attitudes and our reactions, that's where you find out what you trust in. Your attitude, your reactions, that shows what you, what you trust in. I just want to share a little bit Uh, about my own life just the last couple months because I've actually experienced this, uh, just some deeper deeper waters. And in the midst of the things that I've faced, I've actually really experienced this being true, that as I've realized I'm not as in control as I think, and as I've realized that my resources don't extend as much as they need to, uh, God has, has been there and he's filled in the gaps and in fact, He's actually taught me things that I needed to learn. And so I just want to walk through the last few months for the Barrett family. And as I share this, uh, this is just my own um, lessons that, I, that I've learned. 
And this isn't like, feel sorry for us. Because again, I'm, I can actually look and James says to consider it joy. And every day I'm trying to remember that. But there's a part in which you face trouble where it actually is it's not a curse. God, God uses it. And so I just want to walk through some things that have happened and kind of what God's taught me. And in light of things, it actually isn't that major, but it's been things that just have disrupted life. And so uh, in August, I, I started a root canal and it's like, ah, root canal, you got to do it. September, we got in a, a car accident on the way to our son's birthday and our van was all messed up. It's like, ah, root canal van, that's, that's a bummer. A week later, I re-ruptured my Achilles. And so the heat just got turned up a little bit more like, okay, my tooth hurts, my van's broke, and now my leg doesn't work again. And so the heat kind of got turned up, and I was beginning to get a little bit discouraged. The next day, my son got in a scooter accident and knocked out both his front teeth. He's four years old. And it was like, well, this was the day after I had surgery on my Achilles. And so I was just like, well, our van's broke, my leg doesn't work. My tooth hurts, but at least my teeth are there because my sons aren't anymore. <laughs> and I just started like seeing all, all this, all this stuff happen. And I began to realize I began to kind of get in these these modes where I just felt like I was being squeezed. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Where just your life feels like it's just coming, 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 and who you are is just being squeezed. And it just felt like I was just my reflexes and everything in me. I was just trying to figure out what. How am I going to get through this? And why is this happening? And this is not what I want. That's what I kept telling myself. It's like, it's not what I want. And I realized that it's not what I want. It's actually, that's an enemy thought. That doesn't help you. Because it, it is what it is. And whether you want it or not, it actually doesn't matter. It's how you, how you respond to it. And so I began to just kind of really just tell God, okay, God, you, you have my attention. There's a lot of things that are falling apart that are totally out of my control. You, you have my attention. And I spent some time in the scriptures and kind of throughout the last few months, I've been spending the time in Psalms. And Psalms is like this great picture of how do you walk through God or walk with God in the midst of hard things? When things are good as well and when things are bad and how do you actually relate to God and the emotions of that, the realities of that. And so I began to spend some time in the scriptures, and I came across a scripture that like in the midst of all this stuff happen, happening, I just sensed that this was one of the main things I needed to learn in my own life. And I was reading Psalm 69, 29 through 30. I think we'll show it up here. It says, but I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. And so I was, I kind of felt that. I just felt like I was going through some things and our family was going through some things and they were just not what I wanted and it was hard. But even though I'm inflect, in, uh, afflicted, let your salvation, O God, set me on high. Let, I need to focus on God and his goodness. And the next part says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And right then, it was like God just said, this is you. You must magnify God with thanksgiving. And I realized in my own life, I think one of the things God is leading me to do is realize that there's, when you face things that are hard, you, that kind of fight or flight, you know, we all tend to have that. We're going to fight through it or we're going to just act like it's not happening. And depending on the circumstance, I do either or. But instead, the scriptures, and this is what the scriptures do, 
They give you a perspective that's not inside your head. And that's why you need to read it. And right then, it wasn't about fighting. It wasn't about fighting. It was about choosing what you magnify. In this moment, God said, it doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter all the things that have happened. You need to make me bigger than your problems. You need to magnify me. And the way you do that is with thanksgiving. You have to choose to be thankful. And so that's just been something that I've been realizing myself. And it's tied exactly to just this this idea of you get to these deeper waters. In the midst of that, you have to decide what's going to be the biggest. The problems you're facing or the God who can who can help you. And I just wanted to share that because this is me. This is happening right now in my own life. And I know there's a lots of people here that, that you're facing similar things, things that are just really hard. But I just wanted to encourage you. God, he works right in the midst of that. And it's an opportunity to choose to magnify him and to trust him. And it might be something that you've actually never trusted him before. And God is leading you to this deep water, so, so you actually, so you have to. So I encourage you uh, to do that. I want to wrap up by just offering some next steps this morning that you can take. And it's twofold. Some's about us, and then some is, are about others. So the first next step, on the connection card that, that Barry had you fill out, you can mark this on there. This is just a way to apply uh, something that God may have just impressed upon you. We give suggestions, but you may have your own. The first is, Ask God for help to respond the right way to a difficulty that I'm facing. So you might be facing something or you see something on the horizon. You just ask God today. God, help me to respond in the right way. And the second is, if you know somebody that's facing something that's beyond them, I encourage you to to pray for them. So pray for blank. You write their name in there. And pray for them this week for that their, their confidence in God would grow. If this is true, that God will use this, then pray that their confidence in God would really grow, that they'll choose to kind of swim to him in the midst of these deep waters. Now, I'm going to pray, and so you could finish that connection card. Uh, The band's going to be coming up. We're going to be singing a song back to God, receiving our offering. And as that comes by, uh, you can drop that in there. Let's pray together. God, we, we do thank you that that you, your character, the way that you act, we, we can magnify you. Uh, the bigger that you get, the, the actual better things go. And we thank you that you are true to your character. You are good and loving and faithful. You are in control. And we thank you, God, that you actually want to lead us. And you can lead us in a way that's so far superior to our own independence. So God, help us to move beyond ourselves. And even as we're facing hard things, I pray, God, for the people that just feel like they're, they're trying to tread water and they feel like they're sinking. God, I pray that they will look to you. And God, I pray that you will really draw yourself to them. And they'll really see that you're real and that you're a helper. And I thank you, God, for the goodness that you've given to us through Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen.